The Rangers lose a brutal finale in Boston to lose the series on today's show. I'm breaking down what went wrong for the Rangers in that loss and what are five things the Rangers need to do better after the All-Star break. All that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked on to the Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick, a cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan since 2010, the founder and host for all five seasons of this Locked On Rangers podcast. Today is Friday, July 7th. Your Rangers are 51 and 37, alone atop the AL West with a two-game lead over the Astros. Before we get into today's show, this episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Now, this was an incredibly frustrating loss, 6-10 to to the hands of the Boston Red Sox. When the Rangers had their ace on the hill, a guy who has been counted on in countless times in big moments to come up for the Rangers. He came up big when Jacob DeGrom went down. He came up big when the Rangers' bullpen was an absolute mess back in May with that complete game against the Pirates in a a one run allowed nine innings of work and against the Astros when the Rangers lost that brutal opening to that series he came up with the only win the Rangers had seven shutout innings against the Astros and thank the lord that he he did that otherwise Rangers would have a one game lead over the Astros but this was a brutal loss that's not entirely on Nathan Eovaldi he went five and a third innings uh, allowed five hits four runs, all of which were earned, four walks for him to just three strikeouts. And uh, I'm a little concerned about Eovaldi. I don't want him to pitch at all in the All-Star game. I think that that would be a bad, bad idea, especially because looking at his velocity, every single pitch was down at least one mile an hour in this one. His fastball was down 1.4 miles an hour from his yearly average splitter, down 1.1, cutter down 1.3, curveball down 1.6, slider down 1.5 miles an hour. This was... This was not great, and the spin rate was down on all of his pitches across the board as well. Not what you wanted to see. He still gutted out five and a third innings, and but he walked four. It's not something that Nathan Evaldi does. He does not walk a lot of batters. That's one of the things that he has done incredibly well this year is not walk a whole lot of batters. He's up to 2.4 walks per nine because he's allowed four walks in back-to-back starts. He hadn't allowed four walks in a single start all season, and he's been walking a whole lot more at least two walks in the last five, six starts, actually. Three walks against Tampa Bay, two walks against the Angels, two walks against the White Sox, two walks against the Yankees, and then four against Houston and Boston. He did throw seven shutout innings against Houston in that last start, but the velocity being down, the walks being up, makes me think, all right, I don't want to see Nathan Evaldi in that all-star game at all. He can go, he can hang out, he can you know, wave to the fans and bring his family and, and have fun. Or, you know, if he just wants to stay home and say, eh, I'm not really feeling it because it's his second All-Star game, I would be totally fine with that. I would honestly be fine with that with most of the Rangers on this roster. I think Haim and, and Young definitely want to go because it's their first time. And Simeon, somehow it's only his second time going to the All-Star game, despite him being one of the better players in baseball for the last, like, five years. It's kind of insane. Um Adoles Garcia is going to go and be in the home run contest. That's fine. That's going to be great. Celebrate him. Seager, I wouldn't be surprised if he's like, I'm, I'm out. I don't want to do this at all. Because it's these Rangers, they really, they really need 
an all-star break. They need it badly. I mean, Seager could keep hitting for forever, and he's probably going to, if they put him in the all-star game, he gets three at-bats. He's probably going to get five hits uh, because that's just the kind of tear that Corey Seager is on right now. But but Simeon is not. Simeon has been slowing down as of late. In his last seven games, he's got a 143 batting average and on base of just 250 and slugging 170. Nine, Just one home run in his last 15 games and only two in his last 30. He has really kind of fallen off and he could, he never takes a day off, but he could use a couple of days off at the all-star break. And, you know, he's going to start that game and the Rangers will have four starters and six players that are all-stars this year, which is great, but they really need some time off. They got some good performances offensively. Corey Seager hit his first home run since the middle of June. He'd been hitting a crap ton of doubles and a crap ton of singles and walking a whole bunch, but the, the power hadn't quite been there in terms of the home run ball f- during this, like, what, 23 24 games that he's had he's been on base for 24 straight games which is the best streak of his career and he finished that off with his 11th home run of the season massive doubles day for the rangers could have had a lot more home runs if they weren't hitting in fenway Dolls garcia's 19th double of the season would have been a home run in i believe 20 out of uh out of the 30 parks josh young's home run would have been a home run or his double his first double would have been a home run in, I believe, 19 of 30 parks. So a lot of offense from the Rangers and hitting with runners in scoring position. Jota Heim got a pair of hits with runners in scoring position. The Rangers went four for 12 as a team with runners in scoring position. But some just sloppy overall play from the Rangers and just an uncharacteristic loss. I mean, the the four walks from Eovaldi was was not typical of him. Brock Burke came in, faced three batters, allowed a hit, hit allowed a hit got one out and got a hit by pitch um so not his best work either josh spores was just really really erratic in this one um he allowed two walks one hit um and got two weak ground ball outs but he was just all over the strike zone i mean or out of the strike zone i should say a couple of his pitches were just not even registering when you go back to look at them on mlb game day you just like can't even see where the pitchers are, pitches are because they were that far off a lot of balls in the dirt and he just did not have it the rangers offense was able to get them back ahead but the bullpen allowed six runs in the bottom of the seventh inning. That's just not acceptable. It is not anything that the Rangers offense can come back from. They have a great offense, but I mean, you can only ask them to do so much. When you give them, when you give up six runs in the bottom of the seventh inning, the Rangers were, they were pretty much out of it. I mean, there was a five run, it was a two run lead that turned into a five run, actually, no, a one run lead that turned into a five run deficit. The Rangers were able to cut it back to six to 10 because of that ninth inning home run from Corey Seager, but it was just too much for this Rangers team. They clawed back from down 10 to two. So you think, okay, well, this bullpen, this offense can come back, but they shouldn't have to. And I don't know why the Rangers decided to use the bullpen usage that they did in this one. I know that Burke was, was struggling just a little bit, but he only faced three hitters. I thought he could have faced more Uh, spores. I, I get the decision to pull him when they did. He was completely erratic and they needed somebody to come in, but, but going with Grant Anderson, who didn't record a single out, he allowed three hits, and they were all soft contact. And then bringing in John King in that scenario, I just don't understand it. The Rangers' fascination with John King, who has an ERA over 5.5 at 5.74. He technically didn't allow a single run, but that wasn't because of him. That was because Jose LeClerc came in and cleaned up his mess. King got one out and allowed three hits. And uh, all three of those runs to Grant Anderson, I believe, were uh, were 
when John King came in. It's just, it did not make sense to bring him in in that situation, especially when you had Araldus Chapman. I don't think the game was out of hand by any means, but it, it wasn't a whole lot of hard contact to Grant Anderson, and it doesn't feel really fair to pin this on him, but that's kind of the game you play with these soft-tossing side armors like John King, like Grant Anderson. Is sometimes you're going to have a bunch of things just not go your way. A lot of a lot of straight, single, 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 single that were not hard hit. I mean, Enrique Hernandez, 52.7 miles an hour off the bat. Christian Arroyos was 70 miles an hour off the bat. Connor Wongs was 90.1. There was only one hard hit ball, in, actually two hard hit balls that entire inning. There was Adam Duvall's double and Justin Turner's single, which was in the middle of, or that started off three straight singles. It's just not a whole lot of hard contact, but that's the margin of error you have when you don't have the elite strikeout stuff. You threw Josh Bores in there, he didn't have it, and you had another guy in there in Aralis Chapman that you could have brought in in that situation, but you didn't. And I'm kind of questioning why they didn't. There were also other options there. Um, but coming up, we're going to look at the Rangers starter for this weekend, why the Rangers decided to make a change, and five things the Rangers need to improve in the second half. But first, this word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by GameTime. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful, stressful, but GameTime is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer last-minute deals on tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you'll have when you go to these events. Forget planning months in advance. GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals for tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% the difference. Get images of your seats before you buy so you know exactly what to, you, to, to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're all set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app create an account and use code locked on MLB for $20 off your first purchase terms apply again, create an account and redeem code locked on MLB for $20 off download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Shout out to the everydayers for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. Next week's shows, I'll be doing my mid-season prospect re-ranks. The Rangers take on the Nationals this week. You can catch every pitch with the hometown broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Now, there's one more thing that I want to touch on in this game before we get into this weekend and the things the Rangers need to improve in the second half. But there's a chance that the Rangers had in the top of the seventh inning to really pull away before things spiraled in the bottom of that inning where the Rangers gave up seven runs. Um, it, it was The Rangers started off with a pair of hits, a single from Corey Seager and a double from Nathaniel Lowe. The Rangers had runners on second and third with their four, five, and six hitters coming up and no outs, and they couldn't get anything done with it. Adoles Garcia grounded out pretty weakly to the right side, wasn't able to get the run home, and Josh Young struck out again with a runner on third base with less than two outs. The Ranger, the Red Sox decided to intentionally walk Jonah Heim because he becomes basically Barry Bonds with runners in scoring position, and it ended up working out because Ezekiel Duran grounded out, and the Rangers got nothing, and they lost that lead in the bottom of the inning. But Josh Young has been incredible this season, and I am the biggest Josh Young fan you will not find. Actually, probably his, his own family is, is probably a little bit bigger of a fan than I am, but, but I'm, a, I'm a big Josh Young believer. And one of the things that's been frustrating for him this season is his strikeout rate, specifically with runner on third and less than two outs. So far this season, he has hit very well in that situation. Let me be clear. He's hitting 278 with 
a 556 slugging percentage and on base of 333. That is great. That is really good. He has a, a pair of doubles and a home run in 21 plate appearances. But he also has 11 strikeouts. He's striking out over half the time in that situation, not putting the ball in play, not getting the sack fly. He only has one sack fly this season. That is a fundamental thing that I think he needs to really improve on. His strikeout rate has been one of the few things that he hasn't done well this season. His defense has been fantastic. Outs above average has him in the top 7% of all baseball, which is not something that anybody saw coming, but his strikeout rate is in the bottom 14% of all baseball. Walk rate in the 20th is percentile. Chase rate, whiff rate, both of those in the bottom 31% of baseball few of the things that he does not do very well. He barrels up the ball in the top 20%, ex-boba, average exit velocity, expected batting average, expected slugging, hard hit percentage, all of those really good. All those things that he does very, very well. But in this specific scenario, especially being the number five hole hitter, that's something that he needs to improve on, and I, I have no doubt that he will. It's just really frustrating in those situations when that's when he is striking out, especially when the guy behind him and the guy in front of him, both of them turn into big clutch machines with runners in scoring position in every clutch opportunity. Young has done that for the most part. I mean, he's he's been fairly clutch, and like I said, he's hitting 278 in that situation, but just get the ball in play. If he was hitting a little bit lower, had a little bit lower on base, but he is getting the run in more often, I think that would be better just just a little bit better especially in those late situations where the rangers lead was just one at that point and just getting one run home would have been huge for the Rangers. i still think they might have ended up blowing it but just that one extra run you never know maybe maybe someone pitches a little differently differently maybe josh spores is is less erratic maybe grant anderson's bloop singles don't find holes i don't know but just a scenario, one of the few scenarios that Josh Young hasn't done well this season and one where I'd like to see him improve. Now, the Rangers are having a change in their starting rotation just for this weekend. Cody Bradford is going to make the start tonight on Friday against the Nationals. Martin Perez is going to be scratched from his start. Andrew Heaney is coming back from the paternity list. He's going to start on Saturday. And then Dane Dunning will start the final game of this pre-All-Star break on Sunday. So that was Nathan Eovaldi's last start before the break. We have seen the last of John Gray until after the break. We have seen the last of Martin Perez until after the break, which I think is good. Martin Perez has had a couple of, of rough outings out in his last three, especially that just brutal, brutal outing against the Astros on Monday in the wildest game of the season. I think it's good to get Cody Bradford in there. I think we might see more Cody Bradford starts going forward. I have honestly really loved what I've seen from Bradford at the big league level. He is really helping this team. He's stepping into the Dane Dunning role for before Dane Dunning became one of the best starters in the American League. Um, and that's great. It is an important role to have. And uh, we saw him step up in that Monday game where the Rangers had gave them a chance to come back by going two and a third innings and not allowing any base runners and striking out a bunch of Astros. That was awesome. And I think that giving him more opportunities is going to help this team quite a bit. I don't necessarily want him to be the high leverage guy, but I think that in the right scenario and starting every once in a while, giving these starters some more rest, especially in the stretch of 30 games in 31 days, it's been brutal. This team is exhausted. You can tell it. It's just, it's just infuriating to watch. And I'm sure they're just absolutely gassed after the stretch and it's not been easy teams that they've been facing in the stretch it has been really really difficult teams we always knew that this was this month of july and the end of june were going to be pretty tough on the rangers i mean it started off with that series against uh against the uh against the rays that 
this stretch of this many games in this many days and at Tampa Bay. And then they faced the Angels when they were just hot as all heck. They faced the Blue Jays, who were doing fairly well. The Yankees, who were still a pretty good team. The Tigers somehow managed to claw out a series split. And then the Astros, Red Sox, and finishing it off with the Nationals, who the Rangers just really need to sweep. They honestly need to sweep, and there's no excuse not to at least win this series, and they just need it so badly. They they need to give themselves a little bit more breathing room against the Astros, because it's, it's not going to get a whole lot better in the month of August. The Rangers start off with three games against the Guardians, and they've got three games against the Rays, who are looking a lot more fallible right now. Then they've got three more games against the Dodgers, who are also looking kind of kind of mortal they've had a lot of injuries to their starting pitchers so maybe this will be the right time to face the Rays and the Dodgers hoping that both of those skids are are still continuing the Rangers see both these teams in a couple of weeks or a week and a half in the case of the Rays then they go to Houston for three games and then they finish out the month of August on the road in San Diego with three games against the Padres which isn't looking like as tough a task as it did at the beginning of the season maybe the Padres will be red hot by then and I'll look really stupid for saying this but um yeah this is going to be an important month the rangers need to keep the astros at bay they really need to win that series in houston like very desperately because they missed a big opportunity to give themselves some breathing room against the astros seems like the angels are falling back down to earth having an injury to mike trout he is going to be out until uh, i don't know five weeks four or five weeks it seems with the hamate bone injury anthony rendon is hurt i mean the angels are having a lot of of injuries and Shohei Otani had to leave his last start with a blister. I don't think he'll pitch in the All-Star game, but he might be pitching after the All-Star game, but he's still freaking Shohei Otani. He's still the best hitter probably on the planet right now. No, no, probably. He is definitely the best hitter on the planet and probably a top 10, 15 pitcher on the planet as well. So he's going to propel that team and, and the Rangers really cannot afford to continue the skid. They need this time off to go rest and relax and to be much better in the second half. Coming up, we're going to look at five things the Rangers really need to improve or five players that need to improve on the Rangers for the second half. But first, let's word from our sponsors. Shout out to the Everydayers for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. On Monday's show, I'll be breaking down the Rangers' top 30 prospects. I'll be doing that Monday through Wednesday, actually. The Rangers take on the Nationals this weekend. You can catch every pitch with the hometown broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Now, the Rangers need to improve a little bit in the second half if they want to take this AO West crown, which I, I think they very much do. And if they want to stay as one of the two top seeds in the American League and stay out of that three-game wildcard round, which I'm I'm sure that they freaking do because I, I know I would very much like them to do that. But the Rangers need some improvements. And, and here are the five things I think need to improve the most. Number one is... It sounds really like champagne problems today, but Marcus Simeon needs to improve on what he's done the last month and a half, basically since the month of June. Marcus Simeon has really, really dropped off. He was massive for the Rangers in April and March and May as well. And in April and March, he played 28 games, had five home runs and 802 OPS in the month of May. He was fantastic. He had uh, nine doubles, two triples, three home runs, hit 322 with an on-base of 385, slugged 513 and 898 OPS. But in the month of June, he really came back down to earth, hitting just 256, an on-base of even 300, an OPS of 705. And in six July games so far, he's hitting 160 with an on-base of 250 and slugging just 200. That is a 450 OPS. That is not what you want from your leadoff guy. And it is 
really a a big he is a big factor on this team. I mean, he was huge for them when Corey Seager went down, and the split his splits between wins and losses are massive. When Marcus Simeon is going right, this team wins, and when he's not, this team loses. That's pretty much the difference in wins. Fifty one wins, he has got a slash line of three twenty nine, three eighty one, and five thirty four. That is a nine fifteen OPS in thirty seven losses this season. He's got a slash line of one ninety five, two seventy five. 305, a 580 OPS, 335 points lower. So he is really the engine that makes this team go, and the Rangers cannot afford to have him stall out for another entire month where he has an OPS around 700. The Rangers need him to be like Marcus Simeon. He's still on pace to have a five, six win season. He's their second most valuable player in terms of baseball reference for at 3.3. Seager's at 3.5. Medoles Garcia might pass him pretty soon, honestly. And Adoles has passed him in fan graphs for at 3.3 to um, 3.1. So the Rangers need Marcus Simeon to turn it on. The second thing needs to improve badly is the bullpen. The bullpen's stuff in general. And I think a lot of it is going to come from internal improvement. We saw Jose Leclerc come back off the IL, thankfully came in and it was unfortunately not a high leverage situation, but he came in, faced four hitters, got one weak contact out and three strikeouts. Looked fantastic. Granted, not a high leverage situation. We kept it from getting even worse than it already was. Finished out the game so the Rangers didn't have to use any other relievers and I'm a believer in Jose Leclerc. We've seen how good he can be when he is on. He got three swings on that cut change up the Slavio, and he got three swings and misses. Nobody made contact with the Slavio in that outing. I am a believer in him. I'm a believer in Josh Spores. Although he has had a couple of rough outings as of late, I still I still think Josh Spores is a very good reliever. But the Rangers made a big trade for Aroldis Chapman. They've got him in the back of their pen. They've got Will Smith, who's been fairly reliable this season. Brock Burke has been not quite the same Brock Burke as last year, but I think still a really good high leverage reliever. And in terms of the other guys in the pen, I think the Rangers need to see what they have in Glenn Otto as a short one inning reliever as opposed to a multi inning reliever. I don't think that's necessarily where he's going to thrive. But if you let that fastball tick up and those breaking balls be even nastier in in uh, coming off of those that four seamer and two seamer that are you know up in the upper 90s as opposed to the mid 90s where they are right now i think that's going to make him a lot more effective but you look at the other guys in this pen grant anderson he's had his moments and i do still think he's a pretty solid reliever but there's there's only so much room for error I mean, there's a reason he had a 380 era in AAA this season it's a little bit higher at the big leagues right now and i think we've seen quite enough of john king honestly he's had some good outings and he's had some really, really important outings for the Rangers, including in that series in Tampa where he came up pretty huge. But the name of the game in terms of relievers is consistency. You need guys in your bullpen who are going to be consistently good and who have that A-plus really, really good stuff. Jose LeClerc has elite stuff. Brock Burke has really good stuff. Chapman obviously has really good stuff. Will Smith his fastball's not good stuff, but those breaking balls are really freaking good. And Josh Spores, we know, has some of the best stuff in Major League Baseball. And again, it's consistency with him. We'd seen it for most of the season. The last couple outings make me a little worried, but I'm still a believer that he can be really good. And uh, who knows, maybe maybe Glenn Otto will be 
that fix for the Rangers, putting him in some higher leverage situations, like if they put him in last night, I think that could have been a good option for him. And I think the Rangers will probably still end up trading for a reliever, probably a pretty good one, because like I've said a bunch of times, they have a pretty big crunch on the 40-man. A lot of pretty good players, but could use some really freaking bad A, A1 type of relievers that you can throw out there in the ninth inning and maybe not have to have Will Smith as your closer, even though he's been reliable, even though I still trust him, but just having someone that's just a little bit better, I think is probably what the Rangers are going to do at this deadline, depending on the price. Number three, the number three thing that needs to improve for the Rangers is Martin Perez. This season, he has not been nearly as good as last year. He has been significantly worse than last season, and the Rangers need him to improve pretty significantly. He's got a 480-81 ERA in 17 starts, 91 and two-thirds innings in the first half, on pace for about 180-ish innings, and he's been about league average, a little bit 9% worse than league average according to his ERA. His FIP is way higher than his uh, than his ERA at 5.33. His walks have gone up a little bit this year. The homers have gone up quite a bit, and the hits have also gone up. He is allowing 10.2 hits per nine, 1.6 homers per nine, and 3.1 walks per nine, and just 5.9 strikeouts per nine innings. The Rangers need him to be better. They need him to be the maybe not the all definitely not the all-star that he was last year i mean if they could get that in the second half that'd be amazing that would be life-changing it'd be incredible but the rangers just need him to be okay be league average and he's been a little bit worse than league average this year we've seen some blow-up starts need to have fewer of those he he, he can have fewer amazing starts if he has fewer blow-up starts just be a number three be the middle of the road go about five six things every time two to three runs and keep your team in it. He has had a couple of games where he has gotten his team out of it, um, especially in that 10-2 to 2 game where he allowed six runs and didn't even get through two innings. But the Rangers need him to be just be more consistent, more middle of the road. I think he will be. I'm a believer in Martin Perez, um, and I really think that he has got that in him. Number four thing needs to improve for the Rangers is also Andrew Heaney. Andrew Heaney has also had a couple of those blow-up starts, a couple more of those blow-up starts than I would very much like to see. And his walk rate is mainly the thing that I would like to see improve. This year, he is walking 3.8 batters per nine innings, and that is not something that he did with the Dodgers last year. I'm not expecting him to come in and have the elite strikeout rate that he had last year. Last year, he had 13.6 Ks per nine, but he only had 2.4 walks per nine. He's allowing fewer homers this year uh, in terms of the rate and the pace of that. He's striking out fewer. That's fine, but I just need him to walk a lot fewer batters. He is not going super deep into games because he is getting in trouble with those walks and those pitch counts. I'm not expecting him to go six, seven innings every time, but going five pretty much every time is what I'm expecting from him. More six inning games, great, but when things start to spiral out of control for him, they spiral pretty quickly like we saw in that game against the White Sox where he was just absolutely rolling then back-to-back home runs out of nowhere and the Rangers really had to scramble to get their pen in there so just a little bit more consistency from Martin Perez and Andrew Heaney and the last thing I need to see improved is Nathaniel Lowe's slugging. Lowe has been a fantastic on-base player, on-base machine this season, a 362 on base. He is walking at a great rate, but he is not hitting for power nearly enough for the amount of raw power that he has. His barrel rate is in the 32nd percentile of all of baseball. The chase rate is is really good in the top 13%, but the swing and miss rate is in the top 
22%. And the strikeout rate is in the 58th percentile. So chase rate, 87th percentile, whiff rate, 78th percentile, and the K rate is in the 58th percentile. So that tells me it's kind of the the inverse of Corey Seager. Corey Seager swings and misses at a decent rate, but he doesn't strike out at a big rate because he is swinging and missing early in the counts, whereas this tells me that Nathaniel Lowe is swinging and missing late in the counts. So I think he should be selling out just a little bit more for power because he only has nine home runs this season. He's brought the doubles power um, for sure with, um, where is it, 24 doubles that he has this season, but he's only got nine home runs. He's got an OPS of 650 in the last seven days. His OPS on the season is 786, which is fine, pretty good, pretty solid, better than league average by, I don't know, 10... 16 percent so just hit for more power we need to see the second half power surge from nathaniel Lowe because Corey seager is getting on base at an insane rate and if nathaniel Lowe starts hitting a lot more home runs and you have adoles garcia behind Corey seager hitting home runs that's going to be a lot of two run homers as opposed to a lot of solo homers and if marcus simon can start to get together a little bit more in the second half than he has in the month of june and early july then that might be a whole lot of three run bombs or you know grand slams by garcia you know who knows and if the lineup's turning over then maybe Lowe is going to have some grand slams with the amount of elite on base guys the rangers have at the bottom of the lineup as well so just a little bit more power from nathaniel Lowe is something that i'd like to see he's been good this year and the defensive improvement has been amazing honestly incredible he has been a very valuable player and this is a lot of nitpicking because the rangers are on pace to win the division and we're on pace to win 100 games. Now it'll probably be someone like 95 unless they pick things up in the second half, which I believe they can do if they get improvements in these five areas. That's going to do it for today's show. Thank you all so much for listening and subscribing. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy first place Texas Rangers baseball.